everybody we're back we are back how is my beautiful co-host doing today oh <laughs> you flatter me sir <laughs> your co-host is doing wonderfully that is great to hear i like your she's got this sweet delia's hat on <gasps> right now i do have a delia's hat on right now it is fantastic because they've had a resurgence at doll's kill and as soon as i saw this i was like I have to have it. If you follow our Instagram page, you know that I post Delia's catalog stuff often because I loved it so much and I still love it. And Delia's needs to (laughs) be our sponsor. Would Angela from last week's episode have been a Delia's girl? Or no? Uh, She had a pretty unique style, kind of. I feel like she had like five outfits and they were all cool. Or alloy or alloy, however you say it, maybe. Hmm. But I'm not sure. I don't know if that was too, even though like that was like cool to me, who was used to like Gap and American Eagle. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that was cool to Angela. You know what I mean? Like maybe Angela was just getting her stuff at like some random hole in the wall place that you couldn't get anywhere. Uh, hmm, yeah, I wonder, because she was pretty unique style-wise on there. Right, but also the 90s was a lot about layers and mix-matched things. Like, she would wear a plaid shirt over, like, a flower dress. That's true. And, like, tights and high socks, you know. Like and some halfway some overalls, Martins. like some, some overalls that are yeah. not done up. <laughs> right. Like, she was what I wanted to be in the 90s. Yeah, she did have a good style. You had a good style, though. You shouldn't have been jealous. You're super cool. Oh, thanks. <laughs> How is my handsome co-host doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. I'm excited. We're really disgusting. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Hope we don't gross you out with how much we love each other. Just love you so much. (laughs) So let's get into it. I'm ready. We're going to hit some cereal this week to start us I feel like it is a necessity seeing what we're talking about first. Yeah, it is. It's a Saturday morning cartoon, what we're covering first. That's right. So what do you do on a Saturday morning? You crush some cereal. Yeah, you do. I'm crushing you, bro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> crushing you bro is that even what i said i think you said dude dude i'm crushing you dude. but in my mind it will always be bro it should have been bro if you haven't listened to that episode i don't even know i don't remember what episode it was that Me we either. talked about that but you know just go back if you don't know what we're talking about then you just need to listen to more episodes just go listen to every episode <laughs> and then tell us which one it was please where yes. i say I'm crushing you, dude. There's like an audio clip of it. If you message us and let us know, we'll send you a prize. Ooh, yeah. That's a good incentive. I like that. <laughs> All right. So cereals then. What's yours? Okay. So this isn't a cereal that I ate or potentially anyone ate. But in honor of what we're covering today, yes. a bit of a spoiler, mm-hmm. it is the Garfield cereal from 1985. So nobody had it? Well, no. So it sounds like there was just a market test that was done. Oh. So they made the cereal. They had raspberry and blueberry flavors. They had the box art. They had all that kind of stuff. They even released coupons for it. There was a 20 cent off coupon that expired on May 31st of 1985. So it would have been before then. Okay. So what I read was that it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to find this cereal. Really? Yes. 
Well, that's a disappointment. And it actually disappointment. surprising because Garfield was everywhere in the 80s. Garfield continues to be anywhere. And we will touch on that at yeah. the end of our coverage. I of- just remember so much of that in my childhood. It yes. was just everywhere. Merch, merch, merch. Absolutely. Um, but in Mexico, and I don't know if this is just Mexico, MrBreakfast.com told me that you can get it in Mexico in like an off-brand version of the cereal. There's two. There's like Garfield vanilla rings and Garfield fruity bites. But that's not the same one that they had planned to release. I don't know why they canceled it. Maybe it was like the nerd cereal and something happened if you ate too much of it. <laughs> but yeah. You, you pooped purple? You pooped purple. <laughs> Which one are you doing? So I chose the strawberry shortcake cereal Ooh. from 1982 by General Mills. I wanted to find an Annie cereal because that's what we're covering also. But I think that there may have been Little Orphan Annie cereal like in the 60s. Yeah, because didn't Little Orphan Annie originate in like 1933 or something? Like it, It's been around for a very yeah, long well, time. Yeah, well, in A Christmas Story, isn't that what Ralphie's listening to on the radio? It is, isn't it? Yes, you're right. Yeah, he's he wins like the decoder ring. Yeah, while well, he's listening to right. Little Orphan Annie. Good yes. call. So it goes way back. And yes. I think that there was, I think I did see on Mr. Breakfast that there was some cereal early days. So the strawberry shortcake cereal was delicious. It was strawberry flavored, obviously. Yeah. It would say it's very delicious, you know, and the cereal was described on the box as <laughs> an artificial strawberry flavor frosted corn cereal. Huh. At least they tell you it's artificial. It's not real strawberries sitting there. <laughs> Nowadays, it would be like made with real strawberries <laughs> and fortified with 75 vitamins. I tell you, I love that special K that has those strawberry pieces in it. Yes. It's really, really tasty. It is tasty. They should redo the strawberry shortcake cereal with that. They should. And the best part about that is that then you have strawberry flavored milk at the end. Oh, Yeah. And that's incredible. Who doesn't love pink milk? Pink milk is where it's at. Speaking of, I noticed in Annie at one point during, sorry, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but there's a point during one of my favorite parts where she's getting to the house and one of the people that work there is presenting to her a tray of like different kinds of milks and stuff that she can have. And it looks like she points at a, you know, carafe of pink milk. Like oh, really? Strawberry milk. Strawberry I milk. I never noticed that until we watched it. So that <laughs> kind of ties in. Nice. Well, hold on the Annie stuff. I'm holding. Holding. Because we are starting out with something different. We've already mentioned it. It is the world's most favorite cat. I thought you were going to say America's sweetheart. America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> the world's most favorite cat. It's Garfield. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and friends. Friends are there. To help you get started, to give you a push on your way. Friends are there. To turn you around. Garfield. And friends. <laughs> Except <laughs> we actually, we're not talking about the friends. We're not talking about the friends. Well, not all of the friends. There's just not enough time. There's not. There's never any time. So we went back and we watched Garfield and Friends. And like you said, there's not enough time for the whole thing, so we just concentrated on Garfield. Yes. But Garfield is a cartoon character, is a comic strip character created by Jim Davis back in 78, I believe, was when he first came out. This show in particular ran from 88 to 94. When were the specials running before that? Yeah, they started in like 81 or 82. Because he looked different then. 
He did. There was like four or five different versions of Garfield. And yeah, so the specials version of Garfield was a little bit different than the Garfield and Friends version. It was discombobulating to have watched so much Garfield and Friends and then go back and watch one of the specials from the early 80s because he looked totally different. Yeah, he did. It felt weird. It was a little weird. (laughs) This focuses on stories about Garfield, Odie, their owner, John, and the trouble that they get into. They also have another section of and friends that's about like Orson the pig and his adventures on a farm with his fellow farm animals. But we didn't have enough time to to watch all of those. So we're not covering the and friends. We're not. I do remember watching that, though, and, and liking it, but still always being happy when it would go back to Garfield. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So Garfield in this version was voiced by Lorenzo Music, who sadly died in 2001. Garfield is, of course, the lazy cat who loves lasagna, catnaps, and kicking his buddy Odie off of the table. He, is, <laughs> he loves it <laughs> he so much. He's a, a super sarcastic and very grumpy cat. But in the end, you know, he does love John and he loves Odie. He does. But he hates Nermal. Oh, Nermal. <laughs> he, he hates Nermal. You also have John Arbuckle, who's voiced by Tom Huge. Is that my saying that right? Hugh? Huge or Hugh? Well, I'll it's say. spelled like huge. It's but spelled huge. I feel like it's probably pronounced Hugh because it's a last name. Yeah. And Tom is with an H. So we'll say Thom Huge. <laughs> Thom Huge. Thom Huge. Does John Arbuckle... Who is the owner of Garfield and Odie? He's a cartoonist who has poor luck with women and he's a bit of a nerd. <laughs> he is pretty awkward around other people. It's funny. Thom actually voices <laughs> Binky the Clown Thom. as well. Does he? <laughs> he does. Oh, wow. Who is a, a loud, obnoxious clown. Oh, uh, he's so annoying. Super annoying. He also has a TV show that both Garfield and Odie do their best to avoid ever watching. <laughs> Sorry, but Thom, T-H, yeah. makes me think of Nathalie. <laughs> Nathalie. We have a show Hello, we watch Nathalie. and there's someone who's not even a main character, but it's a reality show. So when she comes on screen, they'll put her name at the bottom and it's with it's Natalie with a T-H. Yeah. So we're Nathalie. always like Nathalie. And you have to say it with a deep voice. Yeah. It's like, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I digress. Back to you. Then we have everybody's favorite, Odie. Odie, he's so cute. He's voiced by Greg Berger. Uh, he's a yellow beagle, I think. Says a yellow beagle. I was you never think- quite sure what he was. He doesn't look like any type of dog. Well, I've never seen a dog with a neck that stands up like a giraffe almost. Yeah, with huge eyeballs. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's Garfield's best friend. He loves Garfield. Now, he used to, in the comic strip, he belonged to John's former roommate, Lyman, who was a character. (gasps) Lyman. Lyman. sounds familiar to me. He was never on the show, but he was in the comic strip. I used to read the comics. Yeah. But you just blew my mind up. I'd forgotten about Lyman as well. (gasps) Now I just want to read the comics. We're going to have to. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> Greg Greg also voiced Herman Post, who was a mailman on the show. Okay. Who loved delivering the mail, uh, despite always being the victim of Garfield's booby traps. <laughs> he was only on the show for a couple seasons. but It's so great, though, because mail people are usually bothered by dogs, not cats. Yeah. <laughs> Garfield would terrorize him. And Greg also did Floyd the Mouse. Oh, I love Floyd. Who would appear in every season of the show. 
Well, he didn't start out as Garfield's friend, but he becomes friends with Garfield in his second appearance and remains friends throughout the whole show. And then we have Nermal. Nermal. (laughs) Who is a cute gray tabby kitten who Garfield is super annoyed with. He calls himself the world's cutest kitten. And he seems kind and playful, but he frequently tends to antagonize Garfield by bragging about how much cuter he is than him. (laughs) Which is true for any kitten. There is nothing cuter than a kitten. True. Other than maybe Kitty, our kitty. She's very cute. Oh, she is very cute. She is. Don't want the other cats hear you. No. Normal is voiced by Desiree Goyette. Then you have Dr. Elizabeth Liz Wilson. I love her with the big old lips. Yep. That's Garfield and Odie's sarcastic veterinarian and... John's main quote-unquote love interest, she will occasionally go out on a date with him, but they always end up in some type of disaster, usually tied to something that Garfield does. Wasn't there a special that we watched one time where they went to Hawaii and she went with them? I think so, yeah. That's like I feel like that was one of the... That was a while back that we watched that. That was a primetime special. Yes. Yeah. That was fun. And she was voiced by Julie Payne. Next up, we have what became our favorites. This is not something that I remembered. I didn't remember it either, but it's my favorite now. Yeah, it's actually ringing through my head right now (laughs) and has been for a week now. Me too. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm singing it. (laughs) And we're going to give you guys the gift of song as well. You're welcome. It is the singing ants. These are ants who appear on, I think, three episodes. Yes. And they just sing the whole time while they're stealing your picnic food. Or just your food in general. doesn't have to be picnic food. We're the ants who steal your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) They will take away your lunch. (laughs) It's so funny. It is. I know why people loved it so much. Yeah, I guess because like the last season, they had another ant episode where the ants continually sing about how much people wrote in and wanted to hear them again. Yes. So they're very proud of themselves. So funny because they're just like, yeah, everybody's writing in and that's why we're here again. We're back. Except they do it in a very clever, cheeky song. They do. They were voiced by Ed Bogus. I love that all of them were voiced by him. Yeah, they were. So do you have favorite moments from Garfield? I do, of course. One of my favorite things is something very simple. But I love it when Garfield is in his bed with his blanket on him, and you just see his head, and he's got a big smile on his face. He's so happy. He is. That's like one of the only times you really see Garfield just happy. Well, that and when he's eating. When he's eating, he's happy. (laughs) Or maybe he might be just like voracious. Sounds like our cat's. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's also happy when he kicks Odie off of a table, but it's okay. like a different happy. Yes. You know, this is like just true cat happiness. And it reminds me of Kitty. Yeah. Kitty Do will you just remember? sit there. Oops, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just say Kitty will just sit there and look so content when she's all loafed up in her kitty loaf form. <laughs> she doesn't have a bed. She prefers our bed or she has a place on the couch that yes. she loves. Or sitting on us. Or on us. Yeah, yeah. that's her preference, actually. Yeah. Right directly on our chests, in our faces. Yes. You are her bed. 
<laughs> That's when she looks happiest. But she's so sweet because she'll reach her paw and rub your face I'll just gently. Gently touch you with her claw. No, just one claw, but it but she try she knows like she's trying not to hurt you. Yeah. And it's like if you tell her several times, like, ow, that hurts, ow, yeah. then she'll she'll try to retract it more and yes. be sweet. She's a good kitty. She's so good. Our other kitties are a little more gnarly. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a love bug. I was thinking about do you remember that episode where Garfield's bed broke? Oh, yeah. And they went to the mall. He and John went to the mall to pick out a cat bed. So there was a store that specifically sold cat, cat beds. beds. Yeah. And there were all these different kinds of beds. There was a water bed, mm-hmm. which is so 80s. And of course, Garfield gets on it and his claws go in and he busts it everywhere. <laughs> There's a bunch of different kinds and they ended up with this like canopy like, it was a massager. It had all these gadgets and bells and whistles. Yeah. It's like the Catbed 2000 or something. I right. I don't know the name, but it was something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then they get home and John takes it out of the box and Garfield <laughs> falls asleep in the box, which is so <laughs> fitting. And then John, like, crawls up. He's like, I'm not letting this bed go to waste. And so he, <laughs> like, crawls up awkwardly into this cat bed to go to sleep. And that's how the show ends. That is so cat, though. It is. You know, like, as soon as we open a box. They're in it. In you'll hear some rustling. Mm-hmm. And you'll find a cat in it very quickly. Yep. I've seen where you can tape or something, make a square or a rectangle or whatever on the floor. Yeah. And a cat will go sit in it. They'll go into it? Even though it's nothing. It's just like they just see it and they think, I need to be in this spot. That is hilarious. Is that funny? It is funny. Next up would be... From the episode Peace and Quiet, John leaves Garfield out all night watching television. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Garfield has watched like a 14-hour documentary about coat hangers. And the next one's going to be about a Q-tip. A Q-tip, that's right. (laughs) So John has to go shopping, but he decides to leave Garfield at home because Garfield needs a nap. So Garfield, you know, is kind of hunkering down, ready to take a nap. And Binky the Clown gets his info wrong and thinks that at Garfield's house is an old lady that he has to sing a happy birthday song Yeah, like song a singing to. telegram. It's like a singing telegram. Which, by the way, we had seen a commercial before. It popped up, like, right when John realized Garfield was out there watching TV all night. Then there was a commercial for Binky the Clown. Oh, that's right, yeah. So that's where that all ties in. I got So then we're, like, aware of who he is. So Binky is just terrorizing him, trying to sing him this song. So mm-hmm. that's what the whole episode is about. And Garfield just wants to sleep. <laughs> he finally just lets Binky sing to him, thinks he gets rid of him, and then finds out that John has also ordered him a singing telegram because it's Garfield's birthday. So nice so of John. So nice of John, yes. So. <laughs> Garfield is just done. He's Jun. Jun, as Sammy <laughs> Sweetheart would say. Yes. And then finally for me, it is the singing ants. Oh. And I hope everybody enjoys it as much as I do because I love the ant song. We'll just go around making up parts of it that maybe did or didn't happen in any of the songs, <laughs> and they're a lot of fun. If hearing it on the podcast is not enough, go look it up. It's actually on Daily Motion is where you can get it. If you just Google Garfield singing ants, you, you won't regret it. No, you won't. You'll enjoy it, I think. You should. Or you at least won't forget it. So for me, 
I love the episode where they break the fourth wall. You know I love any episode where they break the fourth wall. That is your favorite. It is because it's like all of a sudden you're a part of it. It's like they're looking at you and talking to you and it's wonderful. I don't remember the name of the episode. I tried to look it up, but I... I couldn't remember which one it was because, you know, they have a lot of different things that they... Yeah, like each episode has three sections. Right, because it's the name of the episode and then it's whatever is at Orson's farm and then it's back to like, there's like a Garfield quickie and yeah. then it's back and yeah, so there's a lot going on. But anyway, in this episode, Garfield is complaining to the writers and the directors and everyone that <laughs> yes. it's boring, that it's like all he does is sleep and eat lasagna and kick Odie off the table, you know, and he's just like... Like, people want more than this. Yeah. And he's even, like, talking about his co-stars, and then it goes, and he's, like, kind of talking badly about them, and it goes <laughs> to John and Odie sitting in those, like, director's chairs, like, on set. Yeah. And John's like, are we done here? You know, he's, like, annoyed with it all. It's like an expose. <laughs> I wish they would have had Odie, like, suddenly talk and be like, oh I'm gosh. done with this, you know, diva or whatever. <laughs> that would have like, been great. But Odie's still quiet. Yeah. But Garfield is like... I can make it interesting. And so he starts writing all these ideas for things that he can do. And it's like aliens. A yeah. Aliens and uh, maybe like a Western or a pirate ship or yeah. something like that. Like all these adventure type stuff. But in every single one, he always ends up going to eat lasagna and take a nap. He does. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end, he's just he just gives up. You know, yeah. and I don't remember if it's the same episode or around the same time where we see like a little quickie of a cartoonist drawing Garfield. And then all of a sudden Binky the Clown comes out yeah. and scares him and he messes up the drawing and Garfield's like going to commercial or whatever, but he suddenly looks distorted <laughs> yeah. because the illustrator has messed up the drawing because he got scared. I loved yeah, that, but I don't know. Was. I don't, I don't know if that was the same episode or not. It feels like it was? I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I was so excited that whole time. It was like, ah, oh, it's like we're going behind the scenes, even though it's a cartoon. Yeah, and you're like, are, are those the actual animators' names? Because it had like right. three, three. Yes, offices. it had like a hallway of yeah. doors, and it had names on them. So it felt, yeah, just very fourth wall fun. breaking. I loved it. And then there's an episode where what's her name, Liz? Yeah. The vet calls John, and she's like, "There's this Hawaiian cat flu going around." <laughs> And anytime that anyone mentions anything remotely related to Hawaii, then a cat, if they have this flu, will start like dancing the hula. They go full Hawaiian mode. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. It is. But it's funny. It was funny. And then it's like there's this talent show that John takes Garfield to and he tells them what Garfield's trick is. And it's like the silliest. Yeah, it's like America's Funniest show, Home Videos. But kind of, but it's like they say silly. Yeah. And, you know, he tells them what Garfield can do. And they're like, oh, yes, that's perfect. You'll be perfect for the show. And there was a medicine for the flu that Garfield refused to take before. But since he's going to be on TV, now Garfield's like, I need to be at top performance. Yeah. So he takes the medicine and John doesn't know. And then they go and they're on camera and John mentions Hawaii and Garfield's just like, what? Doesn't do anything. Yeah. And so John like loses it because he's like, oh, you're supposed to start dancing the hula. What it, you know, and he's naming like Don Ho, pineapples, you know, just all this Hawaiian stuff. Right. And then John ends up putting on like a hula skirt and a lay and starts dancing or whatever. And they still win the yeah, like, he wins thousand the bucks, show. however much it was. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a fun one. 
And then there's an episode where I don't remember how he gets to this lady's house. Did she like just trap him kind of? She mistook him for her cat. That's right. Fluffy. Fluffy. And there was a mouse and she needed the cat to get the mouse. So Garfield's in the house and she like shoves him into this mouse hole and he goes in there and makes friends with this mouse named Floyd. Yeah. Who, you know, later is around a lot. And he ends up finding Fluffy hiding somewhere because he finds out that this lady is terrible. Yes. And basically they come up with this plan and and Garfield tricks her because he hands her a a menu for like a pizza menu. And she's like, oh, you want pizza? And she orders him pizza and then he takes the mouse and puts him outside. She sees him visibly put the mouse outside. And then she's like, oh, yay, Garfield. Or, you know, Fluffy. Yeah. (laughs) And... Then the mouse, Floyd, just runs around the house and comes back in because there's a hole. Hmm. And then she sees the mouse again, thinking it's another mouse. And Garfield then hands her like a Mexican menu to get some tacos. And they do it several times, like Chinese food and just all the different kinds of food you can get. And then Fluffy's there like hiding under the table. Garfield gives Floyd some food. They're all just like using this lady to (laughs) to get some takeout. Get delicious food. I love it. Made me very hungry watching that episode. Every time we watch Garfield, I actually, I made spaghetti this week because of the theme song. I I hope you have lots of spaghetti. spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's bring lots of spaghetti. I don't know. We're We're ready ready to party. It's so fun. It's fun. Also, side note, I think that our cats, especially Kitty, might be Garfield because she loves pizza. Yes. Like she has knocked a few of our boxes of pizza that we left on a counter for like five minutes off trying to get into it. She loves it so much. And then if we have a plate and we're eating, like she will not leave us alone. And she gets we have aggressive. to eventually be like, stop and push her away. Like yeah. you cannot have pizza. It's like aggressive for Kitty. Right. She's, know, she's not like, aggressive. All of a sudden you just see her head like pop up over the end of your plate and you're like, Kitty, no, you can't have any of that. And she'll just stay there and just stare at the food. And you're like, no, Kitty, no. So now it's like anytime we order pizza, we can't leave it on the counter. We have to either put it like in the oven or in the fridge. Yeah, you got to put it away. She will knock it down. Right away. And then Sketchy prefers a charcuterie. She does. <laughs> she and loves has, those meats. She just comes around whenever we're... Because uh, we... Well, that's really like our fault, right? Because we it, were feeding her pieces is. of pepperoni. We made the mistake one time. Yes. And, and now we pay for it. Because every time I'm making a charcuterie, she comes around. Oh, she comes prancing. You would think that we had like a can of wet food we just opened up. They're crazy. like little vultures. Yeah. All right. Back to Garfield. Some fun facts about Garfield in general. These are not just about the show, but just overall for Garfield. Yes. So he is actually named after, and I, I was wondering about this as we were watching the show. Yeah, I remember you talking about it. He's named after Jim Davis's grandfather who was named after the president, James A. Garfield. Oh, okay. So I don't know a lot about James A. Garfield. I don't know if he was a good president or a bad president. I just know that he was a president. Yeah. I'll have to go look at it sometime. Now, this is also set in Muncie, Indiana. Oh, really? Yeah, though Jim Davis said he didn't mention it a lot because he wanted people to think of Garfield as just being next door to him. Yeah. Wherever they are. I like that. That's where Garfield is. And something I didn't really pay attention to, but I guess I realize now, 
is that it was an hour long cartoon. Right. It wasn't 30 minutes. That's why it took us so long to get through. Yeah. They were really long episodes. Mm -hmm. Like when you think about a cartoon, you're like, oh, it's not going to take that long. It was lengthy. Well, and then adding in the friends at the farm added a good 15 minutes to it, probably. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One thing of note about the production values of Garfield is it was noticeably better from an animation standpoint than most other cartoons were at that time. And it kind of led the way for an increase in quality that came in the next decade, animation-wise. It's funny, though, because we were noticing things where sometimes, like, John would come on screen and he matched the white wall behind him. they, like, forgot to color in. Right, and then at another point, he looked pink. right. And then they would, you'd see like the lines where the wall meets the carpet and how they had like gone out of the lines a little bit. Right. You know, but that was early on, I think. It was. And you think about like, we love Jim. Yes. But at times the quality on Jim was not great. Well, sometimes, yeah, they randomly, their faces didn't look like them. Yeah, and just from like a frame rate standpoint, it seemed low, like when Jem would be walking, you know, not to bag on Jem, but I'm just saying in comparing, because Jem ended about when this started, right? Yeah. Maybe a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So they were pretty close. Garfield was higher quality. Okay. Just from an overall animation standpoint. Now, we mentioned this earlier, but nowadays, Garfield merch brings in around $750 million to a billion dollars a year. What? Like still? Still. (gasps) That's crazy. So yeah, still to this day, bringing in near a billion dollars annually. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is... I I don't even think of people still buying Garfield merch now. Yeah? I I think that's great, but that's shocking to me. It is. I saw that. I was like, holy cow. Jim Davis said he had one regret, where he licensed a zombie version of... Of Garfield. I don't know what year it was, but it was like when zombies <laughs> were just getting big or had been big for a little bit. Yeah. In the end, he thought it did nothing for the character, but he just did it because everybody else was doing it. He's like, if I could take that back, I would. <laughs> Overall, you know, as much merch that has come out, to only regret one, that's not bad. Right. I've seen Garfield in so many different forms. Yeah. You know, like uh, seeing a Garfield zombie is not shocking. No. Like, I'd have to go look at it and see I know, why I've cared. seen, like, a vampire Garfield. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. So, huh. Garfield also holds the Guinness World Record for the most widely syndicated comic strip. Oh, wow. There's more than 2,500 newspapers and journals. And he's also got 16 million Facebook fans. Wow. I don't even like him on Facebook. I follow him on Instagram, though. Oh, wow. I wonder how many Instagram followers. Well, let me look. I'll have to go look. Oh, yeah. He only has 503,000 on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. He's got to do that work then. (laughs) Do you remember the Garfield window plushies that would be stuck on somebody's car window? Yes. That actually happened on accident. Jim Davis originally designed it with Velcro on his feet to like stick on some curtains, but they misunderstood whatever the instructions were and it came back with suction cups. (laughs) So he stuck it on a window and is like, well, if that sticks up there for two days, we'll do it. And he came back and it was still sticking on the window after two days. Even after that, when he put it out there, he didn't think of people putting it in a car. Right. So it was completely and utterly by accident. Oh, wow. Those things were everywhere. Yeah, they were. And I think they led to a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know who came first. Yeah. I wonder if Garfield was like the accidental first window plushie. Huh. Now, did you ever read the books? You know, where they'd combine all the Garfield comic strips into a big book. 
It seems familiar, but I don't think so. I think I just read it in the newspaper. How My many? dad and I would almost fight over who would get the comics first in the, on Sunday mornings. So he would only be in Sunday morning, right? I don't know if only, in but that was when I read okay. him in the funnies. There have been 71 main Garfield books and then a whole bunch of like other offshoots. There's been 71 of them. Wow. I think I read like 12 or 13 back in the day in the 80s because somebody else owned them. Did you say they were like long and skinny? Yeah, I feel like they were like a foot long. Like rectangle shape? Yeah, and maybe like four or five inches tall. Huh, that seems familiar. I think I've seen them at least. The last one came out in December of 2020, and there's another one scheduled for June. So they do it every year? Twice a year. (gasps) We need to get those. We do, we'll have to snag them. It's fun. So there have been 11 Garfield comic strip books that have been number one on the New York Times bestseller list as well. Oh, are those the same books? Yeah, these are the same books that we're talking about. Wow. At one time, there were seven of them on the list all at once, which is crazy. They had to change the way that the list was done because other publishing houses were complaining that their authors couldn't get on the list because of Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) That selfish cat. (laughs) Garfield at Large, which was from 1980, was number one for two years. Over 100 weeks at number one on that list. People love uh, Garfield. They do. Last (laughs) and probably most funny is while I was reading those books, I had never heard the word lasagna before. Okay. So when I would read this, I was younger (laughs) and I would read it as lasagna. (laughs) And I thought it was lasagna for quite a few years. That's so cute. (laughs) I had no idea. And then I heard somebody say the word lasagna. And I can remember that I I started thinking, is that the same word that I've been reading in the Garfield books? Is that lasagna? And I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's how it's spelled. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is kind of a weird spelling. It is. um, Lasagna. Lasagna. (laughs) Lasagna. I guess I switched letters around because it's not lasagna. I, I just flipped it. Yeah, that's funny. Well, that's all the fun facts that I have for Garfield. This is a lot of fun watching Garfield again. It was. And now it's another one that I feel like we can go to sleep to at night. We can. And actually we did last night. I know. And I would, (laughs) we do go to sleep with things on the TV, but we turn the brightness way down and the sound way down. But there's just something about having something on. But we always like to have it be something that is calming and comforting. And I could hear like singing a little bit. Yeah. And I looked at the screen because it sounded like the ants to me, but it was like Garfield with Penelope, his girlfriend. Yeah. So it made me wonder if there was something similar with the voices there. But I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to go look and see which one it was. We didn't even mention Penelope until right now. I mean, she's a side character. If I listed all the side characters, we'd be here for two hours. I know. But that was Garfield's girlfriend and they talked about marriage. They did. And they both (laughs) ended up in the end freaking out and being like, I don't want to get married ever. I don't want to get married ever either, but let's still be together. Yeah. And she lived at an Italian restaurant, right? Yes. We'll cover her really quick. It's Penelope Pussycat, voiced by Victoria Jackson. She didn't make that many appearances. It was in season five, season six, and season seven. But she loved her some Garfield. Yes. Until it got a little too serious, like you said, uh-huh. and they both had to pump the brakes. But they ate lots of Italian food together. They did, and it looked delicious. It was like stacks on stacks on stacks of lasagna, <gasps> or lasagna, I would put <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so is it my turn? It is your turn. Let's hear it. All right. As we already said, 
We are talking about Annie. We got Annie. We are talking about the 1982 movie that was based on the 1977 Broadway musical, which is based on (laughs) the Little Orphan Annie comic strip from 1924. Crazy. I know. It's directed by John Huston, and the screenplay was written by Carol Sobieski. I would pronounce that Sobieski, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Sobieski. Wouldn't that be how you pronounced it? Sobieski? Well, I'm thinking Sobieski? of that. What's that actress's name? That something Sobieski? I thought it was pronounced it? Okay, Sobieski. well, you're probably right. The screenplay was written by Carol Sobieski or Sobieski. However you pronounce it. Sobieski. Sobieski. Could be a lot of different things. Sorry, Carol. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> it was set during the Great Depression in 1933 in New York City. We know that it's obviously the story of Annie, who is an orphan. And she lives at this orphanage that's run by Miss Hannigan, who is this miserable drunk lady. <laughs> <laughs> And basically, her day is saved because there is the richest billionaire in the country. Yeah, and you think about a billionaire in 1933. Right. Dude's got some cash. Oliver Warbucks sends his secretary to the orphanage to pick an orphan to come and live with him for a week in his mansion. And she happens to see Annie and just loves her spunk and how Annie kind of tricks her into telling Miss Hannigan exactly the kind of orphan that she wants by describing her to a T. Right. And they end up bringing Annie to the mansion and the rest unfolds. Yes. The whole story. We all know it, I would think. (laughs) If you don't know it, go watch it. Yes. (laughs) Because it's been out for a while. (laughs) So it was filmed at... Monmouth University in New Jersey, and then the rest of it, like a lot of the street sets, were filmed at Warner Brothers Studios in Burbank. Okay. I've been there, which is (laughs) funny because when I was there, they didn't mention Annie. Did they not? No. Oh. You know, because we did like a tour where they talk about all the things that have been filmed there. Well, that kind of touches on your next point. Maybe there's a reason. What? Because it received mixed reviews? Yeah, mixed reviews. And I mean, wasn't a financial Well, yeah, a in, super in 1982, but everybody loves Annie now. They do now. I mean, I loved it in the 80s. Like, to me, it was okay. a big hit. I think it was just like in the box offices, it didn't do well, but it did in people's homes. Yeah. Well, I wonder how many things have been filmed there. At Warner Brothers? Yeah. Yeah, at, a at, lot. At that set. So it's like a lot. if they listed everything. I know. But I mean, I, I, to me, I feel like Annie is worthy of mentioning. Mm. But who am I? <laughs> but it was a film that had a $50 million budget and it grossed $57 million. I wonder what that is in today's dollars. Let's see. Let's check that. This was filmed in 1982. So adjusted for inflation, how much do you think it would cost now to do a $50 million movie? $235 million. Actually, you're not that off, especially on the last part. It's actually 135 I almost said that, and then I went above. Good on the 135 though. Good job. Okay. So that's what that movie <laughs> would have cost in today's dollars. All right. So the cast. We've what got a cast. Aileen Quinn as Annie. I thought it was Aileen Quinn this whole time. But then when we watched a little snippet of interviews, she herself says... Aileen. Aileen, yeah. Yeah. So I had to correct how, myself. Well, I think because I know someone named Aileen yeah. with an E. So to me, I pronounced it Aileen. 
but she's wonderful and lovely. And we watched these interviews of her when she was 10 years old and just. She's so sweet. Precious. Precious. Like this little wide eyed girl, almost brand new to all of this. She was in one other thing before this. Yeah. But, you know, this was her like big break. So talented. Yeah. And we have Albert Finney as Oliver Daddy Warbucks. He was a, a Brit, which yeah. I didn't know until we watched that uh, little, yeah, <laughs> a little video. And I had a, a little bit of a thing for him. I think he's a little hot. Sorry, he's a good looking no, dude. No offense. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he he sadly passed away in 2019, but he, he did, was yeah. a very good looking guy and super talented too. Because also, not only could he like sing and dance and act and all of this, but like really great at disguising his accent mm-hmm. because some people not so great at it. Yeah, they're not like it kind of sneaks through at times. Yeah, but he was solid at it. He was a, a really good actor. I mean, even in this film, Tim Curry, who is a legend, his British accent poked through. Yeah, you bit. could hear it. You could hear it a couple times. Uh huh. And I love Tim Curry. Yes, but it's just funny because I never realized Albert was British. Carol Burnett. Oh. Speaking of legends. Unreal. She played Miss Agatha Hannigan. We love you, Miss Hannigan. Wonderful. You know, drunkard. (laughs) Slottedly drunkard. (laughs) Drunkard orphanage manager. Literally takes a bath in gin. Gin. That's what we were talking about when we watched it. I was like, as a child, I never realized what all was going on with Miss Hannigan. Me either. You know? She's just like permarecked. Uh, yeah, like I'm seeing just in the beginning, she walks around with a handle, uh, not really a handle, I guess, just a very large bottle. Of, jug. It looks like vodka. That looked like vodka to me. But then later you see her yeah, bathing in gin. Yeah. And even when like Daddy Warbucks comes later to have her sign over, you know, so he can adopt Annie, he gets splashed by the bathwater and tastes it, realizes that it's gin. Right. Crazy. And even like her flower vases she was drinking out yeah, of. She you just drink straight out of it and it wasn't water. No, it was in everything. I can't even imagine. It's a little over the top, but it I is. love it. Yeah, it was good. So Tim Curry played Daniel Francis Rooster. Rooster. Hannigan, who would go. He was Miss Hannigan's con artist brother. This was my first introduction to Tim Curry. I think it's funny because I see the memes out there that are like, I can tell a lot by a person by the way that they first were introduced Mm -hmm. to Tim Curry. You know, because a lot of people know him from just like Home Alone 2. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, for a lot of people, it's Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is in the 70s. This was my first intro. And then Clue. And of course, Pennywise, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. Wait, well, well before Home Alone 2. Yes. But, you know, I know there are some people that were a little bit younger and they didn't watch those movies. They were 90s kids, you know, Mm -hmm. where we were 90s kids, but then we were becoming teenagers in the 90s. We had lots of previous exposure, 80s exposure, (laughs) you know, 70s exposure. We got Uh, clout in those 80s. (laughs) <laughs> but this, I mean, he truly scared me. In, in this An- movie? In Annie, yeah. Now, I, I completely forgot that it was Tim Curry. Did you? I am I was just picturing a, a completely different actor before we watched it this time. So it's not like I haven't watched Annie since I watched it originally. My sister tells me we might have gone to the theater for this movie. I don't remember it. I remember E.T. 
as the first movie that I went to see in the theater. But my sister Hedo got a steel trap for a memory, so I'll trust her ish. Does she on this know one. for sure that you went, or she just knows she went? I think maybe she, she went. went without you. Yeah, it could have been that. I was I was pretty little. Eighty two. I mean, I was too young. I think. Yeah, it'd have been five. I mean, you could take well, a five-year-old to a movie, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I say I was too young, but I just looked up The Fox and the Hound, which was the first movie I saw in the theater, mm-hmm. which was 1981. You remember this? I sort of remember, my because my cousin Angela came over, and she and my sister and I went to see The Fox and the Hound. You remember that happening? But you I would remember have been her coming two over? years old. I kind of do. That's crazy. Because there are no pictures from that or anything, but I kind of remember it. That's an early memory. You know, I always think that my third birthday is my earliest memory, but I think maybe going to the movies with Angela was my first memory. I have flashes of when I was like, one and two. I yeah. do like because I was in a specific house that looked a specific way. Yeah. I kind of remember that. But my first real memory is like my fourth birthday when I face planted a surprise party. Or maybe fifth. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was. But I also <laughs> remember like I have brief, like faint memories of my Mimi, my mom's mom. And but she passed away when I was two. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like I just remember her from pictures, but I feel like it was real. Like mm. I feel like I have some memories of her. Gotcha. So, I don't know. Memories are weird. They are. But anyway, next up on the list, Bernadette Peters as Lily St. Regis. She was Rooster's girlfriend. Oh, I remember her. I'm sure you do. (laughs) (laughs) Then, the glorious Anne Ranking as Grace Farrell, Miss Farrell. She was Warbeck's personal secretary. And she was just, to me, like... The, I mean, Annie's obviously the star, but I feel like Grace was like the heart of the movie, you know, because she immediately loved Annie and pushed really hard to keep her there. And I think she knew it would wear down on Daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> I think that she knew he would give in, which he did. And then he fell in love with Annie and fell in love with her. Yeah. You know, it was just a love story. Melted away his cold, cold heart. She passed away very recently. She did in December. Yeah, it's sad. I know. I read that she was just visiting her family and she was staying in a hotel. Yeah? Passed away on her sleep. Oh. I know. Oh. But she was, I mean, she was like a big Broadway star. Was she? She was like, she played Roxy Hart in Chicago. Like, that was like her big. When you look her up, it's funny because to me, I would think most well-known for being an Annie. Yeah. But it says most well-known for being Roxy Hart in Broadway in Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So then Edward Herman as Franklin D. Roosevelt, the 32nd president of the United States. And I loved him so much as Richard Gilmore in Gilmore Girls. And he also played Max in The Lost Boys. He was Max in The Lost Boys. Yeah. Wasn't he like Herman Munster too or something? He did play Herman Munster in Here Come the Munsters, which is like a made-for-TV thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. In 95 believe. He was in a lot of stuff. He was great. He passed away in 2014. Mm. Then you have Lois DeBanzi as Eleanor Roosevelt. She was the first lady. Jeffrey Holder as Punjab, who was Warbucks's bodyguard. Loved him. Yes. But now we learn, you know, in today's day and age, we, we know that that is a bit problematic. It is from a name standpoint and a characterization standpoint, but 
What's cool about Jeffrey, though, is he was a principal dancer for the Metropolitan Opera Ballet before his film career started in 57. Oh, really? Yeah. I just like that, which makes sense because he just, his movement was so great. He's very elegant. Yes. And he sadly also passed away in 2014. Oh. But he was one of my favorite characters in the Annie. He just had such a calming presence, you know, and then, of course, saved the day in the end. Roger Minimi as the Asp, who was Warbeck's chauffeur and martial arts expert, who was from Japan. Also a little problematic from a character standpoint now. Yeah. But, you know. Then you have probably my next fave, Molly, played by Tony Ann Gizondi. She was a fellow orphan who was kind of like Annie's little sister. She was so cute. Yes. And what I love about her is I found out she has two daughters and she named one of them Molly. Oh, she did? Yeah. That is wonderful. That's so sweet. She was just so freaking cute. A little girl. Like her singing Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile is the cutest thing. Very cute. And she was only like six, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. And then a few other of the orphans. You have Roseanne Sorrentino as Pepper. Any relation to uh, the situation? (laughs) Oh, good question. (laughs) Is she Sitch's cousin? (laughs) Sitch's mom. (laughs) Just kidding. Laura Burke as Tessie. She's the one that always said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Tessie. April Lerman as Kate who always like had the pigtails and she was kind of the mom figure. Mm-hmm. Robin Agnico right. as Duffy. She was Pepper's best friend. And then you had Peter Marshall as Burt Hurley, who was the radio show host. You know, That's when they get the word out. fully dressed without a smile. Aha, the lovely boy sisters. That's how they get out the word that they're looking for Annie's parents. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And you were fascinated by the Foley artist in that. Yes. I was like, I want to know his story. The dude's doing like all the sound effects. He's like. So fun. Yeah, it was cool. With the shoes. Mm-hmm. And then Irving Metzman played Mr. Bundles. Mr. Bundles, the Mr. laundry Bundles. man who came and like helped Annie escape. Yeah, she was she a had stowaway her, in the laundry basket. Her dad on the town where she met Sandy, the yeah. dog. Dumb dog. <laughs> Why are you following me? <laughs> Sorry, I could sing this whole thing to you. I'm sure I was very annoying to Pete as I sang and said every line of this movie as we watched it. It was not annoying, but I will say, I think I called that song that you just said, right? Right there uh-huh. out as a bit too musical-ish for me. Which is funny because you've said that you you liked Annie. I did and do like Annie. There's a couple songs where it's just like somebody's like walking through a room and being like, I'm looking at a record player <laughs> and it's got a muddler next to it. It's little... <laughs> He's looking at our at what's, at what's at behind me right now. Hi, Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too conversational for you. It is, yeah. Not my favorite. But the rest of it, I, I love the movie. I, I don't hate on it at all. Yeah. You just don't like that Annie's singing a conversation with a dog. Exactly. I got you. I love it. <laughs> so some fun facts on Annie. Yeah. Sobieski? 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 Sobieski. <laughs> You're determined that that's how you say her name. It could name. be Sabisky. I could see that, yeah. I think it's Sabisky. She wrote the screenplay. She introduced some major differences between the stage musical and the film. So in the stage musical, it's Christmas time oh. when Miss Hannigan, Rooster, and Lily are caught at the Warbucks Mansion by the United States Secret Service. And then that like foils their plan 
to kidnap Annie. Okay. Because in the film, due to summertime shooting, Annie's kidnapped on the eve of the 4th of July. And I think just because of, they, they just couldn't make it work. They couldn't make it look Christmassy or whatever. So right. that's why they chose to make it in the summertime. They probably already spent enough money. Yeah. And so then that whole thing led to the citywide search and the cinematic ending on the B&O bridge. Yes. It was terrifying. Very terrifying. But we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. Got you. So then also in the Broadway production, Miss Hannigan has no redemption like she does in the movie, which I still to this day do not understand because we don't see any reason why she should be riding on an elephant at the end of the movie, like everything swell. Other than her recognizing that Rooster has gone full psycho and she says he's really going to kill her. Yeah. That's her only redemption. She's like, no, Rooster, she's a baby. But like, you still were a part of the whole scheme. You were. And in the stage show, she's arrested along with Rooster and Lily, like as she should have been. I don't disagree with you. I think she probably should have been. Not to mention she should have been arrested, period, for how she's treating those poor little girls. Absolutely agree. Being a drunkard and like, you know, treating them like crap. She went down easy street. (laughs) That's what she wanted to do. Easy (laughs) street. So the film also features five new songs that were not in the musical or in the Broadway musical. Dumb Dog, (laughs) Sandy, (laughs) Let's Go to the Movies, Sign, and We Got Annie. Some of those are some of my faves. And then there were six songs from the stage version that were cut from the movie. Oh, really? Yes. And originally the song Easy Street... was going to be the biggest musical number in the film, right? And they built this extravagant outdoor set that cost more than $1 million. Wow. They filmed it for like a week, and then they ended up not liking it. I guess the directors or producers or whatever did not like the way that it looked. And so then they did a reshoot like two months after the principal filming had wrapped. Mm -hmm. And they moved it inside the orphanage, and it was, I guess, more like... The Broadway production. Oh, okay. The way they did it. I like how it came out in the end. Oh, me too. This I thought was interesting. So Sean Connery and Cary Grant were also in consideration for the role of Daddy Warbucks. Oh, really? Before Finney was chosen. I wonder how old Sean Connery was at that point. Sean Connery. Mush mushy goldfinger. (laughs) But I mean, those are two like epic movie stars, you know? May he rest in peace, Sean Connery. Yes. Like I said, we watched this YouTube video that was so interesting and fun to see because it was like on the set while they're filming Annie. And you see Aileen without like her Annie either wig or hairdo. I don't. Yes. She had like dark hair and it's like. Yeah. When they found her, she had like almost black hair. Yeah. Like really dark hair. You go to her house in Pennsylvania. Yes. (laughs) She made $100,000 for the film. $100,000, that's right. $100,000. They were celebrating that at that point. And in today's dollars, that is $271,000. Oh, wow. Seems a little low. Does seem low. For such a large movie, but what do I know? I hope she still made money off of it. 
somehow because she didn't really do a lot after that. I mean, she, she did didn't. a few little like, cartoon stuff. Yeah. And then she went to college and... Yeah, according to her IMDb, she enjoyed herself, but I don't know if that's true or not. She seems to be having fun now with her band. That's what I was going to say. She now has her own band called Aileen Quinn and the Leapin' Lizards. The Leapin' Lizards. So, I mean, definitely still capitalizing on Annie because that was her thing was to say... They do classics from the 20s to the 60s with like a rockabilly swing sound. And they just released an album in 2019 and they still, I just looked at their Instagram and they're doing, you know, virtual concerts and Are stuff. They? they just did one on, on Valentine's Day. I was oh, like, I wish we had known. Missed it. And, oh. know. Listen, when we watched the interviews of her back then, I just fell in love with her. I, I just, she was such a sweet little girl and she yeah. seemed so poised and I don't know, she was just such a talent. Yeah. She was amazing in Annie. She really was. Not only the dancing and the singing, but like, I don't know, just how she got her. She was very confident. Yes. And that that came through in her performance. Because didn't they do like a, not a contest, but it was down to like three people or something. There was 8,000 people that tried out as Annie. Right. 8,000. And then it got down to. Eight of them. And I think all of them made it into the film. But she was chosen as Annie. Yeah. Now, she was also on the Broadway <gasps> version That's of That's right. As a swing... Orphan. Orphan, mm-hmm. which meant she had to be able to play any of the orphans at any given time. Right. So she knew all the roles. And I loved seeing them performing. Like they were rehearsing Hard Knock Life. And she was like sitting on the piano while all the girls, the other girls were standing in front of her and they were just singing it. And she, you know, it's like she was kind of the leader, you know, obviously she's the lead actress, but she was leading them. She was. While they were going through it all. It was really cool to see. They had another thing where normally I think they lay down a track of the song that they're going to sing for a dance number. Uh She laid down that track just sitting there on set while practicing. That's the take that they took. Are you talking about when they're in the room and they're doing the thing for, uh, oh, that sad part where she's like, I don't don't want to do it. Anyway. (laughs) Sing it. Let us hear it. (laughs) It's like after her, you know, fake parents have shown up and she's getting ready to leave. And she's sitting in there with... Miss Farrell, and she's sad. Yes, she's like, maybe you'll come visit me. Mm -hmm. She's like singing the whole thing. Oh, so good. Okay, so tell me your favorite moments. All right, number one for me, Easy Street. Easy Street. (laughs) Easy Street. Easy Street. I love that song. I do too. And I had a huge crush on Bernadette Peters just because of that song and dance. (laughs) Number two, I was always just wowed by the It's a Hard Knock Life dance number. Yes. That, That whole thing where, you know, they're... At the foot of the stairs, dancing, so much attitude like happening, like they're, yeah, they're, they're just going feeling it on their knees and then back up and their yeah. little like dancer faces. They are. They, they, <laughs> they. That's exactly what it is. And it's not as like on as something today might be. Yeah. But it felt it felt cool. Yeah. You know, I really like that. Another section where they're out on the fire escape stairs. Uh huh. Everybody's flying around. It's like a circus at that point. It's great. So, so I love that. And it's like very well coordinated and nobody fell off from what I saw. <laughs> from what we know. <laughs> from what we know. Third for me is the autocopter 
which could also be like the gyrocopter or something like that, whatever. I'm going to call it the autocopter. It's basically the helicopter that Daddy Warbucks had. Oh, when I read this, I thought you were talking about when Punjab did the thing where he made the little like toy helicopter fly around his oh. office. No, I'm talking about the, the full big, the size real one. one where they saved Danny. Yes. Okay. So I think helicopters actually came to fruition in like, it's either 1933 or 39. I can't remember what it is. Probably 33 since that's when this is set. Yeah, it it was close. Whatever it is. So this would have been very groundbreaking for the time. Yeah. And but supposedly- he's a billionaire. He is a billionaire. And supposedly <laughs> this was like his own design. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyways, I always thought it was a lot of fun. I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is so cool. And that scene at the bridge at the end, holy cow. I'm going to mesh this into one thing, the helicopter and that bridge scene- at the end. Terrifying. Terrified me. Even we just watched this last night again, and I felt so tense and stressed out. I was scared. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to fall all the way down. <laughs> then Rooster falls down and it's fine, but it looks really yeah, scary. Yeah, when Rooster falls down, he just like slides down like it's no big like deal. It's a cartoon. He's like, except the whole time you're watching them and you just think at any moment somebody's going to slip. You're going to plummet down. The yeah. whole way. That's what it looks like. Uh-huh. So it was super stressful. I just remember being real scared watching that as a child. And I was just scared yesterday, too. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? So I think I'm going to like it here. The song is playing when Annie first gets to the mansion. I think I'm going to like it here. And like everybody comes out, everybody that works there, there's a ton of them are coming out to welcome her. And they're kind of showing her around, you know, and they're like, so what do you want to do first? And she's like, well, the windows and then the floors that way in case I drip, you know, and she goes to like go into the bucket. Because she thinks that she's going to be cleaning. And they're yeah. just like, no, you're not. You're our guest. Like, you're not going to lift a finger. I never caught any of that. That's hilarious. You didn't catch any of that? No. It's a whole scene. I love. <laughs> is it part of the song? No, that's they're kind of talking before the, they go into the song. Oh, yeah. I didn't really pay attention to that. <laughs> and then they go into the song and it's like just introducing her to what life is going to be like. They're measuring her for new clothes. She's testing out pillows if she wants satin or silk. <laughs> she's just going to be really pampered and she doesn't know what to do with that because she's never been pampered before. Right. So it's very sweet and innocent and exciting and I just love it. And they're all so excited to have her there, you know? That house... That is magnificent. Magnificent. It's glorious. I think as an adult, I appreciate it even more than I did as a child. Like, you is know, that now, marble? yeah, now I'm like, <laughs> look at that marble. Look at that <sighs> gold detail. You know, look at the courtyard. It reminds me of the Biltmore. Yeah. Except it's, I think it's even more grand than the Biltmore. It's magnificent. So, number two is let's go to the movies. Oh, yeah. Let's go to. You know, she wants to go to the movies, and then they're kind of like, no, we're not going to the movies. And she's just like, oh, Duffy went to the movies once. And then she's like, oh, she was probably lying anyway. Like, Annie's really good at getting her way. She is. She's very smart. I don't want to say manipulative. She manipulated him, but he knew she was manipulating him. Right. And he's like, all right. He was like watching her. Uh Uh-huh. He kind of liked it. He did. He's like, are you going to just let this go? Nope. (laughs) All right. Let's buy out the theater. Yes. And they buy out Radio City Music Hall. And what I love, though, is... 
was it starts out where they're getting ready to go and she's with Miss Farrell, you know, getting dressed and they start singing Let's Go to the Movies. And yeah. then it goes to where they're going into Radio City Music Hall. And then there's all these people, the ushers, and then the Rockettes come out. Yes. It's this whole production. And then they watch this movie, Camille, with Greta Garbo and Robert Taylor. And then the three of them are sitting there and Sandy are watching it. And very dramatic. It's very dramatic. And she ends up falling asleep while like Grace is crying. And Daddy Warbex is sitting there just looking perplexed. And (laughs) (laughs) and then but it's so sweet because then he like carries Annie out. And then they go home and together he and Grace put Annie to bed. And it's so sweet. Sweet. And, and he's like, how did you know how to do that? She's like, what? Like, put her to bed. She's like, you just put her to bed, too. Yeah. He's like, oh, I guess I did. It's very sweet. <laughs> I love that whole moment. But just all of that. Yeah. And then, of course, always I have loved the ending of that movie. You have. All of it. Mm-hmm. And when Annie and Daddy Warbex come out and they're like, together at last, you know, and they're going down the stairs (laughs) and they're singing the song, I don't need anything but you. And they go outside and it's like a a circus or a fair. does look like a circus. And all the girls from the orphanage are there and they're all dressed in beautiful outfits and they look so clean and like somebody's taking care of them. It made me think they were going to live at the house too. I know. That's That's the only thing that I wish I knew is what happened to them. Yes. You know? Where is Annie 2 and Annie 3? Yeah, you said that you saw they were supposed to do that and they never did. They never did it. Sad. But there's all this great stuff going on. I mean, the president and his wife are there. Yep. I guess they're just celebrating that he has adopted her. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then Miss Hannigan's there riding on the elephant, which is somehow weird. She slipped right through. I think they're just doing it because it's Carol Burnett. I don't think that she should be there. Hello. She just helped kidnap her and she's awful. It's not like she's sober in one day. It's not like she's suddenly a nice person. She did not earn it. No. She didn't earn it. It bothers me. It's like, even if you don't arrest her, like, you don't need to be celebrating her. She ought to be looking from the house while, like, cleaning the floor. Yeah, not up on a pedestal, basically. It's kind of weird. I've never understood that. Oh, thanks. You didn't let your brother kill a kid. Good job. Like, oh, you felt a little bad when your brother was going to kill a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think I've mentioned it on a previous podcast, too. There's something about the end of that movie when those Mm -hmm. fireworks go off. It triggered something in me when I was a kid that I just loved it. It made me so happy. It felt so magical. I used to sit there through the credits because they still show the fireworks through the credits. And last night I got mad at him because he started to turn it off during the credits. And I was like, like no. what are you doing? I had tears streaming down my face, I, which I don't know that I've ever cried at the end of Annie, but I did last night. It got to you. It did. I was sitting there just. These fireworks are glorious. <laughs> I'm just extra emotional right now. There's a lot going on. And I just cried, but it felt really good to get it out. And I just, yeah, I love that movie so much. Well, we did it. We've covered Annie. Yes, I love it. I love Annie. You excited? Of course I'm excited. I'm glad we got to watch it. That was fun. And just in the week when my friend Sarah was giving you a hard time for saying you didn't like musicals. I don't like musicals, but I like Annie. You proved her wrong. I have. (laughs) Sorry, Sarah. (laughs) Okay, so it's time for Toys or a Nostalgic Item. What do you have? I have two nostalgic items. Maybe I should just cover one. (laughs) I'll cover two. Go ahead. So for Valentine's Day, my Valentine got me 
two amazing pieces of nostalgia that I'd actually mentioned previously on an after school special. Yep. They are the Space Camp book, which is a lot bigger than <laughs> I remember, but I completely remember it. It's got like photos like every five pages or so. I thought it was really thick. But it's not. It's really small. It's very thin. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to reread this. Uh-huh. And it sparked a lot of memories in me looking through it very quickly. It's very awesome. You also got me the Adventures in Babysitting novel. <laughs> well, you talked about that in our episode where we covered Adventures in Babysitting. Yes. And I didn't even know the book existed. Yeah. So I was very excited to find it and get it for you. So she found me the exact version that I had. I remember this being like a huge novel. Both of these <laughs> were huge. Like, I feel like they were an inch thick. This thing is... A quarter inch. It's thick. tiny. It is tiny. I can't wait to reread it. I want to read them too, just to see what they're like. It's got all the characters on the cover on the side of the building, which they never did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're rappelling down the side of a building, but it is great. It's got like a picture from the movie on the back. And I was very excited to get this book and I can't wait to read both of them. So thank you to my Valentine. <laughs> You're welcome, Valentine. (laughs) Speaking of Valentine's Day, mine was also a gift that you gave me for Valentine's. It's my fluffy dog. Oh, yes. The purple fluffy dog. The purple fluffy dog, which actually, ironically, we talked about when we covered Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, we did. Sarah had a fluffy dog on her shelf in the bedroom. She had a pink one, but I had the purple one. Holy synergy, Batman. Right? (laughs) (laughs) And... It made me so happy to see this fluffy dog because I definitely had him uh, or her, I guess. And because she's got some piggy tails. Now, I had gotten you like the fluffy pup by accident. (laughs) For Christmas, he got me the fluffy puppy, which I didn't actually remember that there were puppies, too. So it's like a mini version of the bigger one. So now I have both. So they match. Got the mama and the baby. Yeah, they're so cute. Very cute. Made me very happy. So before we go, we just wanted to say hi to our patrons on Patreon. We have Amber and we have some new patrons. We have Melissa and Evelyn. Welcome to you both. We're going to start doing some bonus episodes. I know we've been teasing for a while, but we actually do have ideas now. And actually our patrons are helping us come up with the content. So if you want to be a part of that, you should come and join us at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. It helps support the podcast. There's a lot that goes into making a podcast that I think a lot of people don't know about. And so it's very helpful to have patrons there helping support us, keeping this going. But we're also trying to reward you for being there. Yes, we want to be able to say thank you in some way. Absolutely. So come join us. Also, come follow us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod on our Facebook group at We Don't Want to Grow Up Podcast, exclamation point. You can email us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod at Gmail. Send us your photos. Lots of people have been sending in amazing photos that I'm loving sharing. Everyone's enjoying it. I enjoy it. Those photos are amazing. We've been getting glamour shots in yes. lately. The school photos with the laser backgrounds or wicker chairs or photos with props and photos with your toys from the 80s and 90s. That's a lot of fun. Your mm-hmm. outfits. It's all wonderful. Bedrooms. A lot of people have been sending in bedrooms, poster walls. It's so good. Keep it all coming in and stay tuned for our next episode. We'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye.